Randy told me not to ask if it's working this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we are. These are right. little nuggets beforehand. Like if you're really listening with the volume up in your car oh. or what have you. Yeah, oh yeah, you heard it. There you heard it. All right, well, uh, <laughs> welcome everybody. We're back in action. Uh, and, uh, you know, today we're going to talk about how, how we phrase it. Uh, what well, is the higher percentage of high, well, higher percentage of success? Yeah, higher percentage path to success. I think, and yeah. you know, like uh, we're gonna talk about water changes first. Cause we promised to do that, but we talked a lot about water changes uh, last, last Monday, weeks, man. Yeah. So like, we're not gonna get hung up on that for an hour. So uh, we're gonna talk about some other stuff too. But first thing we all always do is uh, give away order a cart. So we'll just start with that. And uh, Stefan uh, Higgin, there's only one of these today because it was so much. Uh, today, man, this guy got $500 to his cart. I mean, he didn't even buy anything from us, and we're giving him 500 bucks in reward points. Yeah, man. Kalamazoo. So, from Kalamazoo, Michigan, man, Stefan Higgin. All right, so this guy, you know, in his cart has an Apex EL controller from uh, Neptunes. Nice. And a 8x8x4 plate of uh, ceramic biomedia from Marine Pure. So, total cost of all that being $551. Uh, and so bravo, dude. Yeah, I'll put yeah. 500 bucks credit in his cart. All right. Just for being a preferred reefer and having stuff in your shopping cart. Done, man. So, cool. hey, if you guys want to do that yourselves, uh, hit the preferred reefer link, sign up, put some stuff in your cart, buy from us, do whatever. All right. So, uh, like, first thing first, uh, is we'll talk a little bit about water changes, but, you know, one of the things, man, like, uh, you know, I mean, this one's been a really interesting conversation. I don't want to harp on this whole thing because we talked a lot about ULMs again last year. We talked oh, yeah. a lot about Triton and not doing water changes and the value of it. And, you know, like sometimes it just comes across like, you know, oh, these guys are telling us don't do this, start doing, doing that. And like, no, man, we're just no. having a conversation. So, you know, we're learning about new things about reefing, we're talking about them, we're learning about them. Half the time, man, we're showing, you know, on our own tank so you can learn in real time with us yeah. without having to test on your own tank. So, you know, there's a lot of things we learned from, uh, you know, the water change thing last year. And yeah. I think I think the, the listening to you give your spiel at the Reef of Paloozas and talking about the Trident and now uh, I, I don't think it ever, at one point it, the message was you'll never have to do water changes again. But you're less inclined to you're in general, you're less inclined to do them because you're a busy guy. And then when you have somebody like me on it, uh, who's a busy guy. I, actually getting them done and doing them, uh, it's kind of tough to find the time to do it. So why we know that water changes need to be done. Uh, I guess and if you for can do me, less man, frequently. is like sometimes you just hear a, like a compelling story that feels like it was written for you. Yeah. And well. that one was for me, <laughs> man. Like, uh, and so like I really dug into it, you know, and, and shared uh, a lot of stuff yeah. that we learned from it. And like, you know, sometimes, man, for me, I'm a compelling orator. Or like, at least like, I think so. Yeah. You know, it kind of seems like a mandate, you know, like, oh, man, water change thing, a thing of the past. You know, and they were. Now, you know what? Do the tests. Do the tests and follow them. If it says do one, do one. Don't well, do one. Don't do one. You'll probably have success. And when I say probably, you almost certainly will. Yeah. You know, if you follow the directions. It was almost at the same time too, though, that uh, I was still doing water changes by the sink and by hand versus before we started doing auto water changes. Yep. So. Well, now, now, like you know, this week's video is really interesting, man. There's like a hundred comments on, you know, who water changes, don't do water changes, yeah. like success. It's doing a this highly, or that. highly, highly debated topic. 
Uh, super, super highly <laughs> debated topic. So, uh, you know, and it's funny too, man, is a, like, I try to own the fact that uh, we're a business here and we sell stuff, but like our real goal is just to help people be successful. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, hey man, like, uh, you never know, man. Like people always think, you know, everybody's out trying to like show some product. So, you know, last year it was, hey, you guys are saying just don't do water changes so that you can uh, like sell more Triton. Like, well, no, that's not the way we behave, man. Like, what really makes more money is successful reefers. But uh, I hear you. Like, I understand why you're saying that. And, like, it's important for us to hear it and apply it. Now, like, yesterday, there was a bunch of people, hey, man, you're just trying to promote water changes so you can sell sell more salt. (laughs) And, you know, like, oh, man, it's coming from everywhere. Uh, But, you know, the reality is this. uh, That's just insane. Because salt, salt. we lose money. Like, every bucket leaves salt here, I might as well tape five bucks to it. Because uh, (laughs) shipping five 50-pound buckets of salt around. So, like, if it was all about money, man, like, oh, yeah, let's go buy tons of of, uh, ICB tests and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Because, you know, that's where that money's at. So, when we're talking about doing water changes, man i think it's actually financially not in our best interest to, to talk like that yeah but like hey man successful reefers is what like really is what the whole thing's about you know in the end i just hope that somehow man that leads to a path to success it's certainly hopefully a successful tank and you know, who knows so we're always chasing down so not that we're always chasing down so in that spirit uh all of these tank trials and trying and the brscv investigates and things like that we're testing all of this stuff so that you have a higher percentage oh. of success. Yeah, so, you know, I think we get lost a lot. Like, uh, you know, we talk about hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff on forums and, you know, in the Facebook groups and stuff. And, like, you know, the, the hunt is always at best. Oh, yeah. You hear it all the time. What's the best salt? What's the, What's best, the best light? What's the best this? Like, it's, you can't answer that question. I've, had, I've tried to answer it so many times, and I just can't. You can't. I mean, you can try, and usually what it, the answer is whatever uh, somebody bought last. You know? <laughs> True. Uh, you know, because you did all the research, and mm-hmm. uh, that's the information I came up with. But the reality <laughs> is, is we keep saying it over and over again, though, like what's best to you and what's best to me, man, it's totally different. Yeah. Like, maybe you don't like water changes. Maybe I do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe uh, I want a nano tank, and you want a jumbo, you know, 300-gallon tank. You know, like uh, those things are just different. Maybe you want SPS corals. Maybe I want uh, softy corals. Like, yeah. So, like, uh, it's just a different different thing you know maybe i want to be a trailblazer and i want part of a hobby is try mm. new things mm-hmm. and maybe all i really want is a, a successful tank that like is successful at all costs you yeah. know like uh those are very different things you know you're willing to roll the dice and take some risks <laughs> and you know so those are just different things yeah and so you know for me you know when i really the conversation kind of had an epiphany like in that whole conversation about salt and it was really, man, it's just like, you know, this isn't about best or do I or mm-hmm. don't I need something or whatever. It's about what is the highest percentage path to success. So, like, let's apply it to water changes, for instance. Okay. You know, like, yes, man, you could absolutely, there's, you know, 10 different ways you could not do water changes, even more so on a three-year-plus tank than a new one and still have success. Right. But... Is it a higher percentage path to a successful reef tank to do 10% weekly water changes from the beginning or not? And I think the universally uh, understood answer that almost anyone would say, including the people that don't do the water changes, will say, yeah, it's probably a higher percentage path to success, you know, mm-hmm. to do 10%, you know, from here on out until the end. You know, the question then just becomes, is it worth my time? Yeah. And is it worth whatever money? 
you know, or whatever. Does whatever. it match my approach or my desires for the tank? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's just a question, though. Like, once I, we can all agree, you know, hey, that is definitely a higher percentage path to success. Well, is it worth the time and effort? Yeah, so. I, uh, even though some of those, even some of those people that uh, don't do the water are on the no water change side, uh, I would imagine that at some point in their reefing career or hobby, you know, life, that uh, there was a tank that they had that was successful, and it started with water changes. Yeah, almost certainly. And like you don't, uh, for a lot of people, don't just get into it and they just never do water changes. Like there's a path to like where I'm going to try this one out without water changes. You know, one of the things too here is. Uh, you know, especially when you're on a forum or you're, you know, you're talking to, you know, essentially strangers, you know, mm-hmm. sharing, you know, experiences is everyone was willing to show you to their path to where they're standing right at this moment. And then, you know, some of them will show you a picture of it and some mm-hmm. of them won't. But mm-hmm. like uh, what happens then is a year from now, poof, no more Randy. Where'd Randy go? Oh, I have one of yeah, those threads uh, on yeah. Reef to Reef. Yeah, like, <laughs> boom! My tank Randy is gone. Never, never, never existed again. Yeah. And you never bothered to come in and say, hey, remember all that stuff I told you about last year? Uh, it just actually didn't work out. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen. Those stories aren't there. Yeah. There's only one story that I can remember that uh, had played out that way, and we told it uh, last week or the week before. Oh, the ULMs. The ULMs. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's cool, man, actually, because, like, you know, we start to document those videos, like, Hey man, there's no going back. Right. Okay, like, hey man, guys, we're, this is what we're gonna do, and people are people gonna are see gonna the good, bad, and the ugly, man. <laughs> so here it is. You know, so that's cool. But like, I'd say at least nine out of ten or more, man. Like, hey, I'm gonna do it this way, and I've been doing having success. You do not see like the end game. Like yeah. uh, when that went all south and it's all full of algae, or you know, all kinds of different things happen to the mm-hmm. tank. Nope. Like I'm not going out of my way to share that. You know, only the most, most, most respectable reefers would do that, man. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? I, I spent last year preaching this thing and, and, and failed. like, failed. It didn't mm. work out. Uh, here's the reasons why I don't think it worked out, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And that person, like, uh, uh, even their failure, like, is worth listening to. So, like, I, you know, you don't see a lot of those. But, you know, uh, the fact of the matter is, like, nine times out of ten is just gone, man. You, know, so you yeah. don't know. So the best thing I, I really think you can do is find those people that have 10-year tanks, you know, five to 10-year tanks, and, you know, ask them what they're doing. Hopefully they'll have some pictures of, you know, what success looks like. Yeah. And, I mean, they did it. They achieved it, so do whatever they're doing if you're the, the kind of tank that you like. So, uh, you know, with uh, water change, man, I think maybe we'll answer a couple of questions before we move on, man. But, like, hmm. really, I, I think the end of the story about water changes is do them, don't do them, whatever. But almost everyone will agree that if you implemented something like a 10 to 15% water change weekly, the chances uh, of achieving long-term success went up not down oh yeah you know? uh, oh, yeah, true. and even if you're gonna go do all the other things you're gonna do this would only make it better in almost every case so yeah. is it worth the time and effort is the only thing that comes after that or or better yet is it worth the risk like I know that you know the chances by not doing them inversely just went down right you know and so like you know is my time and my money or whatever I was gonna do to get rid of them worth the risk of the tank you know not doing well underneath that structure hmm. so uh, i think it's interesting so hey let's uh see if we can choose uh, some water tra- water change questions 
Okay, here's one. Uh, Ryan, Randy, do you guys run into issues using the Neptune Apex Dose for your automatic water change? Uh, is there another Heads piece? Heads and other parts. Can you uh, uh, uncover the screen a little bit for me? Uh, there we go. Heads and other parts of the dose. I haven't run into any issues. We've, these doses, uh, we've got two doses on the BRS-160 that have been there since its inception, since you did the aquarium controller video. And those run the Triton. One of them was for one of them's been there since the inception. Now we added another one when we went to Triton. So we had four dosing heads. So we've got two doses that run the dosing, and then we've got the auto water change one that I. How long has it been since we set that up? Probably going on like five, six months or so. I think since we yep. set that auto water changer up, and it's been running. Uh, we'll push the button, do thirty gallon water change, and I haven't replaced the heads on any of them. I haven't placed yeah. the, the anything. Uh, you know, I think about it. I should probably replace the dosing tubing inside just to for preventative maintenance. Because on a long enough timeline, as we all yeah, know. Yeah, you should definitely check the calibration and stuff on it. And one of the things you'll note when you calibrate it, they spin kind of like opposite directions as they're supposed to when mm -hmm. you calibrate it. So you kind of got to switch the tubes on them. So pay attention to that when you do it. Uh, but like. I don't know, man. I, like, I, we haven't run. I guess, you know, we're not into, like, five-year success using it or anything true, like that. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, man, like, I don't know how long it lasts, you know. Like, you know, you know, they're probably warrantied for a year or something like that. Right. I, I don't know. But uh, but I'll be honest, man. This thing saves so much of my time in life that, you know, if for whatever reason, man, I had to replace it every few years, uh, done deal. Man. Every few like, years, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's an equation that I'm okay with. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I had to replace it every year, that'd be garbage. But uh, I, I don't know. We've been using them for dosing uh, two-part stuff on tanks for long you know, time, long, 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 long time, many years. So yeah, all right. Uh, well, I don't know. Terrence chimed in there. He might as well answer his question. Uh, uh, head do need replacing more often when using it for a water change, maybe every six to twelve months. So hey, man, thank you for Terrence popping in there and sharing with us about it. For those you don't know, Terrence uh, is a like a marketing director over at Neptune, so yeah. that's cool for dosing like that. Uh, so use. hey, change my heads. Uh, I, we got a guy for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, there's. A, I mean, there's some something to say, be said about that too, like the continuous water change versus the push button or the high volume water change on these things. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if you run your motor full bore, you know every time every day then the lifespan could probably go down a little further than if i only ran it a little bit every day well you're definitely like when you're doing a water change with it you know you're dosing you know gallons a day right mm -hmm. whereas if i used it for two part i'm dosing like 100 milliliters yeah yeah so Way yeah low. it definitely means you probably wear it out faster but hey man i appreciate uh terrence chiming in there because uh that's valuable cool all right what else we got in here uh I really, uh, Joe Gallagher wants to know, I really want to know what a bucket actually makes. Oh, huh. look at that, dude. That's a good question, well, Joe. I mean, uh, that, well, I mean, sometimes, like, they, things just drop from the sky, <laughs> especially made for you. All right. So. Uh, hey, Joe, to answer your question on how much a bucket, a bucket actually makes, took me about a, a three solid days of testing, and Wednesday I should have the results for you on a BRS TV Investigates. How much it makes, what the cost per gallon is, and what that looks like on a hundred-gallon tank. On I month. will just give you a heads up. Like it's the number on the front of the bucket, it's garbage. It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, There's garbage. one that stood out, but There's the number uh, the number on the bucket is sort of like it depends on how you're mixing it. But almost all it's of like, us. Like, hey choosing. man, my car will get 60 miles a gallon if there's like. 
you know, Proper. three people behind pushing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they're awesome, man. We're going downhill the whole way. Yeah. yeah I guess it'll work out. Yeah. I don't drive downhill the whole way, both ways. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way. So uh, Wednesday, yeah. Joe. We should find out Wednesday. Yeah, you'll be really surprised, it's man. A good, like, uh, A, how much it makes and how little difference there is between all of them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, what else we got here for, for uh, salt man questions? Uh, Andrew is looking to get rid of sand like or the WWC BRS method. How much should I take out during my water change? 10% a week. He, so he does a 10% a week water change on a 120 gallon system. Some is the answer. Just I mean, a little. Like, I mean, yeah, just like don't go fast, man. Yeah. There's no, there's no hurry here, uh, and just take out a, the small, a small. I mean, like, I don't know, just a little a patch cup, of half it, half a cup, maybe yeah. find, yeah, find like little sections and be like, I'm gonna take this section today. I mean, we're section. still sucking out of this guy, so like, there's still pockets of sand in here, yeah. and uh, just look for some each time, try to get it out. So uh, you know, I don't know, like, it's not, a, not a race. You know, no, if for you sure. treat it like a race, you're gonna you're gonna regret it because it's gonna It'll release crash. stuff in the tank and we're like you know removing filtration and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. You know, KC oh, pumps there, man. Stability, key, key, key. I mean, that's not really a question, but uh, I agree, man. And I, and I think that like uh, you know doing the water changes stuff, man, mm -hmm. is absolutely you know attempt to maintain you know stable parameters instead of you know ever depleting the parameters mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. yeah that's a no to me when i think of like not water changes not happening is uh even with the 160 that i noticed is when we send in a triton test uh, something came back not every time but there's things that came back and said you're elevated on such and such element or you're deficient on such and such element deficient might be a little easier to account for or maybe not not as uh, wouldn't ring my warning or alarm bells uh, unless it was one of my major you know because I've seen so many tanks alkalinity calcium magnesium as long as those aren't depleted uh, we're probably fine mm -hmm. uh, as long as uh, you know the water salinity is stable uh, but those elevated ones, those unknowns that start to build up in the tank, like, that's where I could see, you know, stability falling out. Well, and the only way to get the elevated down, you know, is like is a really long depletion. period of time or water changes. Yeah, you know, true. Through, uh, uh, you know, through dilution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point, man. I think I'm going to change the conversation here just like a little bit and move on to another thing. Maybe again, we're you know really trying to talk about today about you know the. Uh, you know, strongest path to success, the highest percentage paths to success. Right. right? Which can be done in like a handful of different ways. Yeah. You, again, like, this is that you know mythical fairy tale uh, hunt of uh, best, but there is no best. You know, it's just best for you or just best for me. But like, what's the highest percentage path to succeed? And then I can start to look from there. You know. Mm -hmm. So you know, related to water changes, I thought I just threw a couple of you know topics down here. So hopefully, if you guys got like a highest percentage success question to UV sterilizers to ozone to sand to whatever, man, throw the questions up and mm -hmm. Dave will get to them or throw them up there. We'll ask them. But uh, short of that, I got a few things uh, I just thought I'd throw up what do we, before we uh I'm, we, could you answer the question maybe uh what is what is what is low percentage no percentage of success look like and that's just like what maybe tap water table salt and throwing some things in there and hoping they live well no, no man, heater no light no recirculation well, I mean no zero level. percent man I like 
like poured bleach in the tank. Right. right? Yeah. Like, right. I, I don't know, but you know, so like the the question really just becomes, man, like, uh, hey, on flow, you know, when I'm running the the flow in my tank, do I need like 18 powerheads, or can I get away with one, you know, or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. can I get away with a return pump? Well, I mean, in reality, man, you could probably get away with your return pump for like you know quite a while, yeah. like especially with very specific types of coral, but. You know, in a long enough timeline, man, it's probably going to catch up with you, and it probably isn't going to pan out, man. Mm. So that's just like a really low percentage uh, chance of success is to, you know, use a return pump. Yeah. So, like, is your flow. And so if I got, you know, two gyres and four uh, vortex or whatever on here, man, like, okay, yeah, man, the chances of flow being my problem, though, are probably near zero. Right. right, like I have my really high Sanchez success using this application, but it also comes at like extreme cost. Oh, you yeah. know, that was like insane amount of money to spend on all of those pumps. So, like, I think the question then becomes like, what's best for me? Like, if I got two hundred dollars in corals in this thing, that's just stupid. Like, why would I ever spend that much money on pumps? However, yeah, like if I'm a huh. you know SPS nut or whatnot, and I got you Several know thousands like in I got you know 80 corals in there that all cost me 80 bucks and now that they're not little corals anymore in their colonies they're worth a lot more than 80 bucks because there's probably 80 frags in each one yeah like all right well Hmm. now my investment in pumps you know is a very different conversation than it was a minute ago (laughs) you know so like you know i think that's the kind of thing man like high percentage but you know is it worth the cost and at what point you know, like, and then, you know, even like, a, you know, some really, you know, cheap, so I go to eBay and buy some used pumps, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, some imported pumps or something. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. hey, those will work. You know, I don't know about the used ones. Anything touch salt water, usually bad news, but <laughs> uh, after, after you let it dry. Imported out, ones, though. Ah, sure. man, hey, man, it'll work for a while. Especially if you have a way to, you know, identify immediately when it fails. Like, you're running on a controller, got power monitoring, and it says, hey, man, your, your, you know, pump broke. Oh, well, I'll go fix it then. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's more of a pain in the butt, really, than that. You know, I'm doing all the wires and this stuff. But, you know, more or less, it's, it's more acceptable. So I'm going to throw this out here, trace elements, you know. And, you know, like, this is one of the ones that I've seen people debate, like, since I entered the hobby, man. Like, and I'll probably go on for, you know, till the end of time. Because I've seen so, so, so many tanks that have, you know, really just relied on water changes and, like, calcium chloride and soda ash for maintaining their corals. You know, like, trace elements not really even in the mix. Uh, And then Mm. I've also seen, you know, people take it to the extremes, you know, and, you know. Mad scientists them? Yeah, almost mad scientists, but, like, even more accurate scientists, I even say. Okay. Like, I'm using Triton. I've got all the, you know, whatever amount mm-hmm. of elements. I'm doing my ICP tests, and they're all in line, man. I know I got natural seawater. Like, you know, what level of effort is that required? And one of the things, man, like, I, I can't tell you. Like, I, there is no definitive answer to that yet. And like, hopefully we'll get to that. But, like, the reality is, is it, it isn't trace elements. It's probably one of them. It's probably mm. cobalt that did or didn't do the thing. Okay. It's probably, you know, uh, uh, molybdenum that did or didn't do that thing. And you can't, it's really difficult to keep one of those things in an you know, elevated or uh, depleted state, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what we do know. Uh, and this is one of the things we touched in in the coral tr- tr- nutrition video was like, hey, when I'm feeding my coral, I'm doing one of two things. So I'm either feeding the animal itself. In that case, I'm feeding it, you know, prey like uh, particulates or bacteria or zooplankton or mm-hmm. whatever, which gets, it's literally going to capture and digest. 
or I'm feeding the zooxanthellae that lives within it, which is like almost plant-like. Mm-hmm. You know, so it you know lives off of the very same things the rest of the plant world lives off of, iron and molybdenum and all these other different things, uh, and so like I know full well that those things are important to the biological cycle of the plant or the symbiotic zooxanthellae that lives within the coral. And even some of these things are actually important to the coral itself. Right. I don't know at which point it starts to like cause the you know, harm to the coral or slow its growth or mess up its coloration or any of these things. I don't okay. know the answer to that question. But like in terms of, you know, a higher or lower percentage uh, chance of success, I do know that maintaining those levels in natural seawater versus letting them perpetually deplete, maintaining them properly is a higher percentage path to success. Yeah. And one of those things you're probably just not going to see when they're all depleted is like, you know, recognizing a person who is deficient in iron or vitamin A or B or whatever. Just as normal. Yeah, they look pretty damn normal, except for the B person's grumpy. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's lots of reasons you could be grumpy. You know, it's uh, like, you know, you really (laughs) don't know. Yeah, you're like, you really don't (laughs) know, man. And so, like, it, like, is it worth it now, though? Like, in the, is it worth it now is like, all right, let's span the whole gambit here. Like, uh, am I going to do it perfectly with ICP tests and dump mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, magic elixir stuff all day, uh, every day, trying to get it just perfect? Yeah. Well, I bet you that's like a one percenter thing. You know, like there's uh, very few people that want to put that much effort into it. Yeah. Put that kind of effort into it once a month or quarterly. It goes up a lot. Or, like, scale it all the way back. Like, I don't need to be perfect about it. I'll just use some ESV that has some of these things in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hitting, you know, half of them. Good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go to the Red Sea thing, and I'll use a trace color thing, just four yeah, bottles. Four. Yeah. Uh, I will go to, uh, like, uh, uh, Tropic Marins. They just have a part C, so it's three parts instead of two. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, for, their, for, what, for those of you that don't know, like, Tropic Marines just calcium chloride and then like a, a mix of soda, you know, carbonate and bicarbonate. For the A, a yep. and B, yeah. And then they call it sodium chloride free salt. And like just for clarity on that, what that means is in this bucket of salt or almost or every bucket of salt, the major component in there is sodium chloride. Right. And then there's all the rest of the stuff. In the part C, they just take out the sodium chloride. And they also take out, I think, the magnesium. No, 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 no. There's some mag- there's, there's magnesium, magnesium in there. Probably not take, as much. I think as they just like take out the sodium. Oh, the calcium chloride. Yeah. And the and the soda or uh, sodium carbonate and bicarbonate. They take those things out of it, and the rest of it's just what makes up this bucket of salt. So if you added those things back together in equal amounts and you'd some sodium chloride, you'd have the salt bucket. Okay. Right. And so you know, like in their essence, man. Hey, like uh, for three bucks a month, I think we calculated it out to be ish. You know, in there, I can now manage trace elements for three bucks. Ah, I don't know. Yeah, why not? I mean, like, I, I don't need to yeah. see miraculous things. And I'll just assume if you're not grumpy today, that was the reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, I mean, that's a higher percentage path to success, though, is managing the Part C with some kind of approach, okay. right? You know, like, it's not nothing. Then just yeah. letting it deplete forever. No water changes, no mm-hmm. trace elements, even though I'm consuming calcium and uh, alkalinity like mad. I'm just letting these things, other things drop and hoping for the best. Yeah. In most cases, Cases, like there are random mortalities and some tissue loss and stuff. We're just your, not talking about it. Your success percentage <laughs> has dropped. Yeah, man. Yeah. So like, uh, and I, like what I'll say though is like some of those people, man, who are doing that method are absolutely having success. 
because 20% success rate still means one in five are doing it, yeah. right? Or like, you know, only 10% of the people out there will be successful doing it this way. Well, that's still one in 10. That's a yeah. lot of people, yeah. right? But do you want to be the 90 or you want to be the 10? Well, I mean, six, uh, <laughs> I want to be the 90, of course. But uh, I mean, success is subjective to what you think a cool tank looks like, right? Or what you think it looks like. So, uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, you know, I did see one that didn't do water changes, and uh, honestly, I like I first looked at the tank and I'm like, you know what? That's awesome, man. Bravo. You yeah. know, didn't water change in five years. Like, you know, you should be proud. And then actually showed the before and after, and the before was actually also really cool too. Right. Except for the before had tons and tons of SPS frags in it, about yay big. Okay. And the after had none. So the after had cool tank. super, super cool tank mm. that was filled with LPS and uh, softies and stuff. And anybody who saw it would say, awesome tank. Yeah. But all the SPS corals that were in there, gone. And like, we didn't talk about that, you know? I so, mean, that, and that might, be, that might be somebody's dream tank. Uh, like, I, is, I don't man. want SPS. It is probably mine, man. Like, yeah. I, I look at the Zoanthid tank in my office, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, cool. It's a really good-looking like, tank. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I really, I really like do, that. I don't do anything really. Unless that isn't what you want. Yeah, true. Right? And so, you know, it, like, that's the way the goals, man. I keep bringing this home, man. Yeah. Like, what's best for you and what's best for me just different. Yeah. Like, if what you really wanted in your office, man, was an SPS tank in your home, this is a terrible approach. The ULM approach? Yeah, it didn't work, man. It was a terrible thing. You shouldn't do it that way. Yeah. If what you want is a tank full of softies and polyps, that looks man, cool. Bam, we got it. it. You know, like this is the <laughs> easiest possible path to that. True. I believe it's super, super high percentage uh, based on uh, the way we approached it. Like yeah. almost anybody could do it this way. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, man. Exciting. Hmm. All right, let's see if we got any questions in here. Uh, ah, JD. Water quality, don't cut costs. So RODI unit, refractometer, main return pump, uh, cut costs on corals. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so, oh, well. yeah, well, I mean, it basically it looks like he was just talking about the investment in the things to keep this stuff alive. Like spend the money uh, for the stuff that'll keep the things alive, a higher percentage to keep the things alive. So maybe, yeah. my, maybe my $2 pump isn't as good as my $1,200 pump but maybe my $1,200 pump keeps the thing alive longer. Probably, you know, and this is a good one too, man, RODI unit. Like, hey, I bet you 30% of the people out there do not need an RODI unit, man. They have like mm -hmm. a water softener, probably pulls out a lot of stuff. They got well water and they live like in a safe area. Some uh, dechlorinator in their, you know, city chlorine. already uses RO water mm -hmm. or something, you know, and you know, probably a decent percentage only need RO, they don't need RODI. I and mean, when I'm making 30% up, but like, it's probably a bigger chunk than like you think, but like you don't know, man, you just don't know oh, what's yeah. in your water. Yeah. Man. Like we did a, 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 a water test at my house, man, because the water turned green. You know? Yeah. Uh, it was really weird. Uh, water, my, I filled up the bathtub and the water was all green in there. And uh, so I did, like, the first thing was copper tests, you know, mm. and like, oh man, I like it. Because that was the first thing I Googled is like the copper, is there's some green? kind of corrosion in yeah. my house, and mm. either in the house or in the water lines feeding my house. And, you know, copper is actually acceptable to a pretty high level, like for way drinking. higher for drinking than it is for a coral tank or for a tank, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, turns out actually what it was is uh, there was a big organic spike in the Mississippi, man, and they weren't able to pull out the organics out of the water. And so like, maybe Back I don't know if those organics tank. are good or bad for the tank or not, but like, I don't want to bathe in that, man. Like now that I know <laughs> what it is. And it was funny too, because like it. I argued with my wife and he said the water's just fine. Then he came hat in hand afterward and he's like, yeah, the whole city, man, actually has this thing. Thanks for finding <laughs> it. <Jeez. laughs> She's pretty proud of that to this day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there. You don't know. 
know. But is uh, running RODI lower or higher percentage path to success? Well, I know if I'm just pulling like for my water, if I know I'm gonna fill up a five gallon bucket and put some dechlorinator in there, I didn't get everything that's in yeah. there that's probably gonna kill my tank. Could you? Man, you absolutely you can. Could. We've all seen tanks out there. Like again, man, we start talking about the, the 10%. Well, that's one in 10 that yeah. actually could be successful using uh, the tank or uh, water out of the faucet with some dechlorinator. Yeah. Other 90%, that's so good. So yeah, higher, lower percentage. I'm just increasing my percentage. And like, if you wanted to, you could probably go and test, you know, like right. what's in your water. But the problem is those things fluctuate throughout the year. Uh, okay. So like, they don't always stay stable. And like, you know, like my, in my case, you know, they're worried about all of a sudden, if you got a pinhole uh, leak in the copper pipe somewhere, it starts corrosion mm. and the corrosion starts adding tons of copper to your water, like in your uh, water softener and stuff, or not water softener, uh, uh, water heater right yeah. and that's why you don't use hot water in these things you know so hmm. uh you know, one of the reasons i should say so uh, you know uh, uh that was a good one uh what's another one here uh data sheets why do you need to cut costs on anything quality equipment uh generally saves money Where oh that's the same guy uh casey oh. uh sumps i think oh uh, there you go. not the same guy but uh, there you go there you go uh, yeah, man, like I, I would say, you know, I won't say this on everything because sometimes quality equipment just costs. Just, it's, just, <laughs> it's just expensive to be expensive. <laughs> uh, on my first tank, though, uh, I bought like four protein skimmers and I can't remember them all, but like the first one was like a Prism Pro thing. I bought like two different Red Sea skimmers, like because that's what the fish store guy told me to buy, you know, 15 yeah. or 18 years ago, whatever it was. <laughs> and then like uh, everybody told me that the CPR Aquatics Remora was the way to go, except for like that thing was super duper loud, and I had to hang this giant mag drive pump in my tank. It was crazy. Oh, okay. Man, right? yeah. And uh, then I bought this like Deltec Hang On guy, and mm -hmm. the thing was like a you know home run, man. Like I don't even know if they sell them anymore, but like that thing was so so awesome. And it cost me 500 bucks for a hang on skimmer. Oh, yeah. But, like, man, dude, I just tripled the cost of the path to get to this one. You yeah. know, I should have just bought the damn right thing to in the first place, right? That's a big gripe in this hobby, too. It, oh, it's not a big gripe, but I think everybody learned, a lot of people learn the hard way, like me. Everybody learned the hard way, like, like you. You just uh, uh, like all of spend us, money, man. spend money, spend money, and then finally you bought the right one, the one that was like, man, I'm, if I should have just bought this from the get-go. I mean, it's hard to identify which one of those things yeah, are true. in the beginning, but like... That's that search for the best, uh, you know, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I wonder how you could apply that to like higher percentage path to success in that one, and, and probably not, man, but it's just like, it's really hard to identify like which skimmers actually gonna perform better. I mean, you could look at cost, but just because it costs 500 bucks does not make it mm. perform better than 200 bucks. Yeah. You would hope so, but not in every case. I don't know. You know? I think the shopping the way, like I should, the way I shop you know looking at reviews and doing spending time on the forums and just seeing a general idea of people using it i wish there was like a tag on these forums that like says i've proven yeah i've done this for five to ten years like yeah. if you're watching david over at reef to reef i want a new badge it says uh, <laughs> i've proven five years success you should listen to me <laughs> uh, like uh i know that i mean like if you're in the three-year success, you're like, no, 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 I, I'm good too. And you probably are. But, like, you know, when you're in year one, I want to listen to the guy, man, that, like, has, you know, brought this home, yeah. you know, and he has a tank like mine, and I just want to do what he did, mm. you know, at least in the beginning, you know. Maybe I'll venture out on my own and do my own thing after that. But, like, in the first two years, I just want to have a successful tank and have fun doing it. Yeah. You know? I don't want to run into all the dumb problems everybody ran into. So, yeah. 
Right, what else we got here? I like the this one down at the bottom. How can you make how can you make the auto water change redundant and safe? Yeah. Uh, specifically for like so this auto water change and there I mean there's a couple different auto water changes out there uh, that you can use too. But one uh, one big one that I could see is limiting probably limiting the amount of water that you can have available for your tank. So I mean of course uh, with the discharge line that's coming out of the out of your tank. Um, there's probably a point that if this thing were to continue to run or if only one head was running either the pull or the push, like you don't uh, give it the capability to overfill or over or draw the entire con. Like I'm not going to put my waste drain line or into the bottom of the display tank. I'm going to put it in the sump to where if something were to happen, it can only suck the sump out. The, only the amount of the display can drop in and then it's just going to be dry. So my... I try to think about it in frames of like, uh, what's the most likely to break? Right. Right, and the most likely to break is like the tube is gonna just stop pumping water. Like the calibration a little bit, you know, that there's a pretty long timeline to like failure on the calibration being out. But okay. like most likely one of these pumps is just gonna stop working at some point in time. And so I guess, you know, the thing that I'd say is the best redundancy to that would be uh, the salinity probe. Okay. Right, because either one thing is going to happen. It's going to keep adding salt water, which in case Race. the salinity is going to go right. up, or it's going to keep you know dropping uh, uh, pulling water out, which Kicking in case my up. my auto top wash probably mm -hmm. going to replace it with fresh water, right? Yeah. So salinity is going to go down. So if either one of these pumps stop, now if both stop, I probably just noticed because my tank's full, right? Like and that's a good point about this is actually. You know, a couple of different things you're just going to, like, all of this stuff is time to notice, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm just going to think about this in terms of, you know, some things like temperature, man, I need to know, like, right now, yeah. right? Temperature is going out of whack, man, I need to know the moment it is so I can go do something about it. Like, mm -hmm. and not that it went off like a tenth of a degree, but if it's going, something went wrong that would cause it to go to 86, the sooner I know along that line, man, the better, yeah. right? The higher the chances of success. And so with something like this, it's just doing a couple gallons a day, you're probably gonna have a pretty long time to recognize that something's wrong, even mm -hmm. without the salinity, because you're probably testing alkalinity, or you're like looking at your full bucket that isn't full of water right. anymore. True. Maybe your uh, uh, ATO is timing out all the time all right. of a sudden, you know. Well, you can make it smarter, uh, like for the systems, for the auto water change reservoirs in the back, when we first put the ULMs on there, I had a low water level sensor, I had a high water mm -hmm. level sensor in the reservoir, so it would alert me when I went I was reaching that point. Uh, I mean, you can. There's a lot of different redundancies you can put on this thing to make it smarter. Uh, I guess make it more redundant. But in general, like we've got a 300 gallon reservoir in there, uh, we'll notice when it runs dry or before it's going to run dry. So today's topic, man. Like, uh, hey, I don't really promote uh, like uh, monitoring salinity to a lot of people because it kind of ends up being like one of those nice to have things uh, in many cases. But if I'm going to pull water in and out of the thing daily, mm -hmm. is it higher or lower percentage success if I monitor, you know, salinity now? Like, because that thing's going to break someday, right? right? Right. And so I just went up, right? Definitely I went up by monitoring salinity and having a warning go off to tell me when salinity went out. Like, I now increase the chances of the success for this tank. And again, when, I, when I'm thinking about this, like, you know, almost always we're all thinking about, you know, 
how does this apply to like today or mm-hmm. next month or this year? But like, I need to be thinking about this in terms of five to 10 years, man, because like, if you look at it, what percentage of reefers do you think make it to five years? Mm, half, less than half, maybe. Okay, so uh, I actually heard what, oh God, man, how much is it? There was a, there's a, there used to be a statement out there about, oh, the average lifespan of a reef tank was uh, one year. Yeah. So I looked that. at the average lifespan of uh, our customers and, you know, through our survey, and it's three years. You know, so, you know, I don't know. Somewhere like, between one and three is Yeah, for average. us, man, I think we're, you know, engaged with the, you know, more engaged reefer. Like, you've probably found us because you're super engaged in your tank, mm-hmm. and it's probably a different reason why that. But average hobbyist, man, is actually lifespan of a year, and it makes a ton of sense because, you know, I set up the tank. You can do it almost any way, right. you know, and be successful for a year. Then it gets full of algae, and your spouses get that thing out of my living room. Right. Or even you say it about yourself. <laughs> I, like, this is no fun anymore. So, you know, after that, though, like, so I, I bet you of all the reef tanks that are started out there, yeah, man, I'd be surprised if more than 10 to 20% of them make it to five years. Make it years. to five years. Hmm. Like, it might be even less than 10. You know, I can't even I can't even say that I've had a tank that made it five years because I've moved and then I move again. It's true, And man. then I tear down a tank and, you know, that doesn't mean that everything I've ever owned died. No, no, there's a difference between failure and uh, yeah. like moving. But, you know, like, uh, then if you start thinking about people who had tanks from, you know, five to ten years man you're in like the sub five percent i bet oh yeah right? and you know most of them is hmm. because they didn't like this gentleman here uh you know said how do you didn't think about how do you make the out of water change redundant and safe you know didn't think about hey you know what like i want a plan that you know redundancy implies that i know yeah. that a long enough timeline all this stuff is going to fail yeah inside of 10 years all of it fails mm. twice you know, uh, <laughs> if not three times, man. Uh-huh. Like, uh, it's in salt water, it's near salt water. You know, like the stuff isn't, you know, made to survive, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nuclear war or anything. You yeah. know, it is just an aquarium product. Heaters, so, pumps, lights, the whole nine. Yeah. And something, everything's going to break at least once in 10 years. At a, least a, once. At least once. So, I mean, like 10 years is a long time for anything to last these days. Like, my washing machine doesn't last that long. <laughs> really. Like, my oven. Like, it's not, not like old days. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, so really, if you start thinking about in that frame of mind, man, like part of the reason why people don't make it to 10 years is because I wasn't there to identify like when this thing failed. I didn't have, uh, you know, salinity monitoring set up or whatnot. And, you know, that kind of leads into this week. We talk about monitoring uh, on Friday's video. And one of the things we talk a lot about is like the apex. Yeah. And... You know, like there's so much debate about do you need an aquarium controller, do you not need one? And the answer is absolutely no. No, you don't. You don't need one. But in the spirit that every single thing on this tank is going to break at least once inside of 10 years, my 10-year success rate just drastically went up if my phone goes off and blows up every time the moment a piece of equipment breaks like the the second that it broke i know yeah right the chances to 10-year tank just went way 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 out you know so it doesn't mean that i need it i just increase the chances of my success yeah you for know? Sure. so uh i don't know this is just kind of a fun way for me to think about these things man mm-hmm. because like all of this stuff costs money 
like everything that's going to increase the chances of your success, like by default, costs money. So, like, how much money am I willing to spend on that thing? Like, does it apply to me specifically? Like, salinity. I would say the salinity probe in almost every case like doesn't increase my chances of success by enough for me to buy it and maintain it. Okay. Like it just like just kind of one of those things that's just kind of there and I I've never had the alarm go off in a way that would have me react on it. Right, right, right. Like, it's not one of those bring you in from home to the office to check on the tank. Yeah, and, and when it does go off, it's more of the times that it's like an air bubble or something got stuck to it. Right, right, you know, right. Like, so it's just not one of those things that I spend. Like, I don't. I, it isn't worth it to me. I, I wouldn't, you know, spend the money when the probe goes. I, I don't buy a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Terrence. So, like, uh, you know, however, like, I'm going to retract, man. If I'm running this thing, uh, you know, like uh, this person here says, mm-hmm. like, it'd be a good idea to run that thing. You know, and and maintain it to the best of my ability. You know, like oh, yeah. and, and keep it calibrated and whatnot, and listen to it when it fails. You know, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah. not don't just shut your alarm off. Like, oh, the temperature's off or the pH is off. Oh, I'm gonna shut that alarm off and then fix, worry about it later. And then then you forget about it. Uh, you know, and then your alarm never is turned back on. And well, so that's some of the things. I mean, I've seen people use uh, apexes and stuff, and then, like, you know, the tank dies, and they blame it on the apex. Yeah. And, like, you know, one of them that was, like, you know, pretty big news, like, hey, the thing actually, like, told you the tank was rising, and they turned off all of the alarms because yeah. they were bothering them. Oh, yeah. And they came back two days later, and the tank was dead. Guilty. Well, like, not, hey, not dude, dead, like, <laughs> it told you, and you just chose not to listen to it. It wasn't <laughs> it's his fault. And, you know, the other thing is, like, you know, just plugging a titanium heater into it. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, the... The temp probe on the apex is no better than every other temp probe. Okay. Eventually, it's going to break. Yeah, you know. So, like, no, there's a reason why you plug the redundancy into the into mm-hmm. the uh, uh, heaters, and it's not just the apex or just the you know Phoenix heater you bought. The fact that these things back each other up because the temp probe, I've, but in my experience, like I've only burned through like maybe three apex temp probes in oh, yeah. my whole life of doing this, and like here, I bet you we got. I mean, maybe 80 of them running at a given moment. So three is pretty low. But at the same time, man, they do go. You know, if I were relying on it, and usually they go catastrophically. Like, it's not like they drift, you know, off and, like, everything follows. Like, boom, one day it says it's 63. Yeah, and your heaters are off. Like, it is definitely not 63. It is definitely (laughs) not 810. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, But, yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, that was a good question. What else we got in here? Mm, Let's see. How often would you recommend checking your refractometer calibration? Mine seemed uh, solid for months and uh, uh, found it, it drifted a bunch plus 004, which is a big surprise. So I guess I, I don't know, like if you're using a digital one, man, I calibrate it as frequently as you can. Oh, it's super yeah, so easy. easy. Oh, I mean, it's just yeah. like, I, so when I was testing the salts, uh, speaking of that point, when I was testing the, you know, the salinities, I had to mix each bucket, each type of salinity up to a certain, up right up to 35 parts per thousand. So after each test, I rinse it with RODI water, and before I did the next test, I would recalibrate it to RODI water and then take the next test. So I was just every single time. But it's as simple as like putting RODI water on there, pushing the button, then pushing calibrate, and I'm ready to go. Okay. The handheld one, uh, well, yeah, I think you said it yourself. We were talking about like mixing salt. We were talking about water change or salt water or something. You're like, hey, maybe once a month, maybe more than that. I'd say I'd calibrate the 
the handheld ones when I have an idea that it might be off. You know, the, here's the thing about those handheld ones is like, it's, you know, less precise, you know, to, to some degree, because, mm -hmm. you know, it needs to sit out for minutes and calibrate, oh, temperature, whatever, yeah. temperature. And like, you, you could get like a slightly uh, different amount of water or whatever, angle or something in there to throw it off just a little bit. And so like, you know, I'd only calibrate, when I to calibrate with one of those, I want to take my time to make sure. And so I don't want to spend that much time on it like every week. Yeah. You know, so if I was going to calibrate one of those, it would be less frequently, you know, but it also depends on how you care for it. That's, you know, yeah. if you're going to use it like this and clean it real good afterward and then put it away in its little cabinet and lock it up. Uh, then not it's very last you a while. If you're gonna like chuck it over your shoulder when you're done with it every time, make sure calibrate it, every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it kind of depends how much you care for it. Mm. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's a good question, Austin. Okay. How do you keep a tank stable with water changes every week? So like uh, that's a good uh, mentality, man. Like an interesting way to look at it. Like so, you know, by taking some water out putting some in i'm essentially making it unstable I mean, yeah i guess you could think about it that way if it's a big flow i mean yeah. depending on the volume too though right yeah i would call though the water change actually the opposite it's the ultimate stabilizer mm. there's nothing that is like so reliable than if i take out 20 percent of the water and i add 20 percent new water in there that will you know bring me closer to natural seawater provided i'm using a decent salt mix mm -hmm. uh like the rest of it you know i'm use bio pellets i'm using you know trace element you know you know a b c d e f g right. and like you know all that other stuff like who knows what what all those things are going to do for sure you like to think they're all going to work as uh, labeled but no no water change for sure like if i'm over or under and i do a 50 percent water change it's going to fix 50 percent of the problem time you know <laughs> like without fail you know uh and so it's the ultimate stabilizer in the essence that if i change out 10 percent every single week it will prevent things from getting out of whack you know slow changes way 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 down so it won't solve all of them yeah. uh but like it will make the you know gradual changes much slower and especially if i'm doing frequently instead of doing a 50 percent change uh you know every uh mm -hmm. three months you know uh, so that is why it is uh, how you can keep it stable with the water change is it's actually the ultimate stabilizer and it's the one thing that works always. Yeah, as everything's <clears throat> building up, you're either depleting or you're building up in the tank. After a water change, they start to go like this. Whatever, you're, whatever element you're testing for, whatever, you know, the nitrates, phosphates, uh, or, you know, element, uh, trace elements. I mean, one of them's going down, one of them's probably going up. So you can close that gap all yep. the time. Uh, in relation to that, opposite is true too. Uh, like, uh, you know, I see this all the time, man. Like I dumped a cup of coffee in my tank or, you know, I put my hands in it after I did an oil change in my car and now everything's like upside down and mm. not good. Uh, but I did a 20% water change, is it okay? No, well, well, if your you're okay dilution. with 80% of the oil still being in there, then yeah. 80% uh, <laughs> yeah. of your coffee is still in your tank. Dilution's man. a big one. Yeah. Uh. So, like, man, like, just make sure you're doing the math here. Like, if you're, if you got an actual problem, like, dumped coffee, I mean, I don't know if coffee's really bad or not, but I imagine it's not good. No. But, uh, yeah, like, I'm trying to think of something really bad, man. Like, bleach. 
Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm thinking, like, drink. So if I had dropped my, like, gin and tonic in the tank by accident, in, like, you know, Randy size, you know, like this big. Uh, <laughs> if I dumped that in the tank by accident, man, then, like, yeah, man, like, get it out fast, you know. Yeah. And uh, note the 20% means 80% of the problem is still there. Still there. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, well, there's something to be said about large. Uh, that's another thing, too, is people are, some people are afraid. I was even afraid long time that, uh... You know, maybe this water change is too big. Like, I, I know I dumped oil in my tank. Or I know I've got oil in my hands and put it in the tank, but I can only do 20%. Otherwise, I'm just I'm, I'm messing up the water chemistry altogether. Uh, but really, there's only like, you know, temperature, maybe your alkalinity calcium if you're in the if you're worried about that. But uh, and pH maybe. But other than that, just matching those parameters, you should you could be able to do 100%, right? Yeah, so I think, man, like you just, like people mix up this stuff sometimes. So, like, stability is important, right? Right. But, like, uh, you know, slow changes are important. But if I'm on fire, man, put me out. Like, right now. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> right? Like, don't wait for a stable. Oh, just uh, just know, get like, your feet right now. Yeah, like, oh, it's uh, a little too much. No, like, there's a time when things are slow <laughs> and times are bad. Like, uh, for instance, uh, at one point in time, man, uh, I had an auto top-up failure. It dumps, like, you know, eight gallons of kelk washer into my tank. Mm. Uh, and the pH is skyrocketing. The tank looks like milk. All the xenia and stuff is totally melting. Like, the crabs are upside down. And it's just bad news. Like... Okay, now, fast. You know, like we're, we're going to solve the problem fast, fast, fast. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is, in this case, I luckily found the right answer immediately, and it was dump uh, vinegar and soda water or soda water in the tank and just get the pH down fast, like rapidly. Yeah. And I did, and it saved almost everything other than the Xenia uh, and those crabs I talked about, all the corals lived through it. Yeah. Uh, and so if I tried to like make slow incremental changes or try to do water changes to solve the to, problem, to solve, yeah. man, like everything would have died, like for sure. Uh, actually, that's happened twice now. So uh, that also happened uh, on the, the, for those of you who ever followed the series that Reed and I did, uh, that was uh, the How to Start a Saltwater Tank series. Okay, yeah. We moved the tank upstairs into the bedroom at one point in time. And uh, my girlfriend calls me up and she says, uh, man, uh, I accidentally dumped the wrong thing in there. You know, the, I, I tested something and, and all of a sudden the fish are upside down. Like, I mean, I joke like that a lot, but this time literally the clownfish and stuff are swimming upside down. And I'm like, what did you add? And she said that she had added too much uh, uh, alkalinity or uh, uh, the yeah, alkalinity of the two-part mm. soda ash. And like, go get some, uh, go get some vinegar and dump it in the tank. And all of a sudden, man, like the pH, had, she pumped, dumped too much in. So like, I'm on the phone with her, and she's like, oh, man, I'm like now you need more, uh, more uh, the uh, the soda ash. She's like, I don't know which one it is. Like, dip your fingers in it. If it poofs, that's the right one. <laughs> 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 ah, tanks are right. Nothing died on that case. Wow. Uh, I know it was total chaos. <laughs> but like, yeah, man. So I don't know. You know, you just kind of go with it. Hmm. Uh, but that's how you keep everything stable. <laughs> and, well, in that case, that was about as unstable as it got. Yeah. Everything lit, though. Uh, how long does it take for the dose to accomplish a five-gallon water change? So I think you can spread that out. The most it can do in a day is the 30 gallons, and then you can actually tell it, hey, only do it during this period of time. And Which will shorten you, how you know, much you can actually up. do. Yeah. Uh, it'll shorten up how much you're going to do, but like if I want to make, it will automatically run slow. Yeah. Like so it's quiet and whatnot. So if I like artificially shorten it up and say, hey, it will only be on from the hours of midnight to 3 a.m., 
uh, like it will do run at max for that period of time and it right. might shorten up the max you could do but uh, you know uh, how long does it take you know do the math on it it does 30 max pretty, 30 gallons max in a day it's pretty slow how much are we changing on the ULM tanks like a gallon if that a day it's 3% a day so whatever that is yeah, yeah. so all right uh, I had some other ideas on here man uh, so hey par meter that was another one you know we talk a lot about par meters nobody ever buys them lots of people are renting them now uh, hey for everybody's trying to rent a meter I scolded purchasing and <laughs> uh, the product guys that like they're not keeping these things in stock and they're making me look bad so uh, yeah they're, they're gonna be back in stock soon I don't know I, I answered that question a lot yeah man uh, like I always out of stock I don't get it and then, you know, the worst part is is mm -hmm. like we get one back and everybody signed up for notifications and of, like instantly yeah back. normally you know that when you get we get stuff back in you know like a protein skimmer we'll get 60 and like so there's enough for everybody right right Right, signed right. up in this case like somebody returned one of these power meters and one comes back so in quick and 300 emails go out you know, <laughs> like, oh man uh so hey uh power meters like rentals man we're trying i'm like getting on these guys like in fact man they like oversold 19 of them the other day and uh you know told them we'll get up to them as soon as we can yeah we had 30 of them in stock like i told them man, convert you know, change <laughs> take the new ones and turn them into the other ones so like we're gonna get on top of that but power Do meters I do I need a par meter for success? Yeah, man. That's the exact question. That's a good question. Do you need a par meter to be successful reef tank? I don't think I've ever owned one until or used one until I came here. Mm -hmm. But I had a pretty awesome SPS tank, a couple of them. Yep. And then there's 8,000 people that had the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. Thing. Like, I turned them on. I don't know. They died. Everything died. I couldn't figure it out. I thought it was low. I don't know. What does low mean? I don't know. Oh, that's why, like, yeah. the years of success with the... I mean, the turn on and turn off metal halides, T5s. Uh, yeah, you kind were of T5s. Oh, just T5s. Yeah, well, you don't even count. Yeah, well, see, <laughs> so you don't need a par meter because uh, there's so much success behind just using T5s and mounting them the within this type of range. Uh, that you're going to be successful. Here's three steps: be successful, grow coral. <laughs> Not true. Yeah. Right? Buy some, uh, buy some, you know, radions or whatever. These are powerful lights, man. Like, and so put these things on your coral, turn them on. And I didn't spend 800 bucks on a light to turn it down to 50 percent. Oh it yeah. Seems insane, unless you really need to turn it down to 50 percent, in which true. case it's the right number. You yeah. know, uh, and more par. 100% more likely to kill your tail, your corals rapidly than mm, no par. Yeah, uh, for like, sure. I mean, you could probably run at 100 par, you know, for uh, an SPS coral for a really long time. Might brown out and whatnot, but like, it'll probably survive. If you go to 500 par, it'll probably die. It's gone. Like, <laughs> unless you wean it on up to that, you know, it'll probably die. Yeah. And so, like, what does 500 par and 100 par look like to the eye? remarkably I like no, no idea <laughs> yeah because uh, human eye like irises you know brightness so like you have an automatic you know par disabler in your eye yeah you know and uh, uh and on top of that like a white light that's full of green looks really bright but it's actually the blue end that uh, actually mm -hmm. is par and you can have a really dim looking tank that is 350 par. Oh yeah. You know, like it, so it's not something you can see. So do you need a par meter to be successful? Double no if you use halides or T5s because there's just recipes for success out there. True. But nobody does that. You know, like that's your <laughs> no, I do T5 and LED now. Uh, yeah, like m most people are not doing just that. Just either one of those. Halides mm -hmm. are kind of almost gone. Mm -hmm. T5s are still hanging just on. Flat. Yeah. yeah. People like that shimmer. So. Yeah, people like shimmer, sense of movement, uh -huh. uh, you know, contrast and sense of depth. You know, so like no, 
uh, but higher percentage success, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like you tell me that, like in the WWC method, we go through. They're like, yep, we want between 250, 300, or and 350 par everywhere in the tank as much as possible. Yeah. Ah, well now I can go do that. Now I can. Yeah. Uh, this way, I cannot do that. Uh, just total luck, <laughs> you know, like or experience, right? Right, right, right. Uh, and you know, the thing is, is like it's really easy to say, like. Well, you know, I did that to my best of my ability. I did like some research and then I flipped the switches and uh, had success. I must be super smart. Well, maybe you are. Or maybe you're lucky. Or maybe you're really yeah, lucky. Yeah, you know, who knows? You know, like it doesn't really matter, man. Like, but like if I want to put a bunch of corals in there uh, and, you know, have a high degree of success, right. par meter absolutely increases the chances of success. Now, here's the conundrum, man. $500 and we use it one day? No. no, man, like I can't stomach that. I cannot stomach the fact that I'm gonna use $500 tool and then like uh, never use it again. Or, or I should say, not never, man, but like I'll probably use it twice a year, you know, like and you get new well, bulbs or. Yeah, you know. I mean, especially if you're following the uh, the idea of set it and forget set it and never touch it again. Yeah, yeah stability. Probably LEDs probably, you know, reduce one, output time. over time, yeah. you know, so once a year I'll use it or whatnot. Mm. But, like, I mean, that's a very little, you know, and, and at that point I can probably just, you know, ink it up a little bit and if it responds poorly, it'll go back down, you know, a little bit, you know, because I already found a point of success, right. you know, I can just tweak from the point of success. But now that this thing is at 50 bucks to rent, this is where that, like, cost for results, like, you know, yeah. comes into play, right? 500 bucks, like, it hits like nobody, man. Like, I know actually we sold way more than those than I would ever thought. But, like, at the same time, man, like, you know, for 50 bucks, I will set up my $1,600 lights proper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I will, like, like, the thing about it is, is, like, I could probably buy $1,000 lights, rent a $50 meter, and achieve better results than $1,600 with no meter. That's, oh, yeah. And, you know, like, almost <laughs> certainly, right? Yeah, So sure. save yourself 550 bucks, you know? That's probably not true. But, like, uh, I mean, those are mythical, you know, numbers. But, you know, the 50 bucks, man, is almost nothing in the whole thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, if they don't have those things for sale right now, send in nasty emails. Say, Ryan said <laughs> I should send a nasty email. Sorry, uh, customer <laughs> service. I'm not sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, customer service, Sam. Customer service. You guys should go down uh, to purchasing. And, uh, We're getting right all there. these emails. I'm getting these terrible emails. Ryan told me. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So I think this is, again, a really good example of do you need a par meter? No. Do you, uh, you benefit from it? Yes. Mm. Does it increase the chances of success? Yeah. Yes. Is it worth it? Maybe. 500. 50? Yes. You know, yeah, like, yeah, for yeah. sure it's worth it. And again, if I'm going to, you know, raise a couple of frog spawns and, uh, you know, uh, some green star polyps in the bottom, no, it is not worth it. You know, if I'm going to put, like, a, if I have a five-year plan for this tank and I want to make it super epic, mm. yes, it's absolutely worth it. You, know? well, mm. you got the things like the, the Senai that combine something. Uh, oh, I mean, you get, you get yeah. par in there. It's 200 bucks. But I mean, you get ammonia and temperature and water level sensing and stuff like that. So maybe something uh, like that is worthwhile. Uh, probably not as uh, accurate. I mean, comparatively than like an apogee, but it gets you in the ballpark. You know what I'd say, somewhere. man? Is one coral frag is fifty bucks. So the first time you kill one, say, "Oh man, I should have done that." I, I could have tested part. Yeah. Second time you kill one, say, "Oh man, why am I not listening?" Third time, man, all right, damn it, I'll listen. You know, <laughs> true. <laughs> like uh, I, I just really think it's, it's a hard thing to do. 
so now oh, we've got eight MQ five ten meters for rent oh. as a, as we speak. Oh, all right. Bulk resupply just told me that we oh. have eight of the. That's Adam, by the way, speaking as bulk <laughs> resupply. Eight of the MQ five ten. So I'm sorry for berating those people, but they deserved it last week. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you know, you had a good one too, man, with quarantine. So, like, nobody quarantines. Oh, man, I don't think... I I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people. Very few people, especially to the degree that, like, we... So, I speaking of quarantine... There's quarantining that makes you feel good, and there's quarantining that works. Yeah, uh, And there's, there's like, of 100%, like, 10% are probably quarantining. That feels good? 3% are actually doing it the way that works. Okay. You know, so, like, if you're doing it the way that works, man, bravo, give yourself a big pat on the back because you're taking care of your pets proper and, Mm -hmm. uh, like, you're definitely, you know. Increasing your. Go share the good word. (laughs) You know, so, yeah, absolutely. But, Ah, I mean, especially when it comes to, like, the coral portion and, like, QTing and and treating for corals because I've dealt with acrophobia. Acro eating flatworms on my SPS dominant tank, and it's not fun. Mm. Uh, but it's something that I could have killed beforehand, rather than just putting the coral in the tank and gluing it on, and then like, okay, grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got in there somehow, and it was because of my lack of QT. So I've also had a tank, or a couple. I've also had a couple tanks where I did the just cut off and throw in there, and just fine, no problems. Yeah. So I guess I'd say, man, like all of those things are steps towards, you know, higher percentage success. Lowest percentage success, glue, just take the thing, put it in your tank and glue it in. Yeah, right? from any source, any yeah. source, wherever you get it from. So even, it even higher su- chance of success is, you know, dip it in something where the adults are going to fall off almost certainly. Then, like, cut off the base of the coral, like, because uh, almost all of these things lay eggs and stuff mm. at the base of the coral. So if I cut off uh, the base and throw that away and then re, you know, uh, adhere the top, now, like, I've definitely increases my chance of success by decreasing the amount of pests to make it in the tank even better do that same thing, put it into a quarantine system and, watch you know, it watch months. it for a while, put uh-huh. it under a microscope, mm-hmm. look. But, I mean, for that to work, man, you really almost have to be prepared you're to throw everything out if you find one. True. You know? Well, that's and a your, tough thing. And your investment to for the additional space, time, for the additional equipment, and where are you going to put this equipment? And then you finally get to move it in your tank. So those with fish rooms or basements and stuff like that, probably might be more apt to do so set up a system like that too so i'll say for me like the middle ground is probably the best for on that specific thing which is in many cases you know dip it you know get the adults off to the best of your ability and then slice off the bottom man yeah uh, and like you know what that coral may not make it you know like i i won't i would i haven't had one die from that specific thing but you're definitely stressing it out yeah uh but like what you won't do is you drastically reduce the chances you're going to add these things to your mm. tank uh, i had uh, actually went to a, a coral club meeting you know many many years ago and it was pretty cool man the guy in the basement man had you know what i remember as like three 10 foot long tanks you know? right right and they were all themed one of them was all sps on one side one of them was all uh, uh, lps and one was all softies and polyps and stuff and like like man this guy is heart and souls in this and, and like just it's just really really cool especially for him to be able to share this with the whole club and then uh all of a sudden you know uh, my buddy gregor came over and he's like hey dude do you know you have little red bugs? And he's like, what? 
what what you know like, <laughs> and you know once you know what you're looking for like, oh, that's oh true. man they were everywhere uh, yeah. and it ruined that poor guy's day Sentinel you know day. yeah it's granted true. that one's a little easier to deal with than other ones yeah but, like uh man like, uh, absolutely cute I mean, same thing for fish success yeah. same thing for fish this one although like you're just not gonna learn to not do this until you break your arm you know, like, uh, like until you learn, man, like this thing hurts uh, when I, <laughs> you know, skateboard this way or whatever. Yeah. Like that trick is dangerous, man. Like uh, <laughs> I should probably wear the pads. Mm. Uh, but like uh, you just won't know, man. I just don't think people understand until you've seen the, you know, what comes from it. Like it's just really, really hard to get somebody to do that the first time. Yeah, true. Until you run into an issue, it was just that. Because a lot of times, man, what will happen is I had this super awesome tank. And I just keep putting stuff in it, and it's the stuff I put in last week after eight years. You know, that finally, man, that that was the one that introduced this damn thing to my tank. Mm. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we're running out of time here. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys got a little value out of thinking about high percentage pass to success. You know, I think I might use a statement and you know future conversations because there is no right or wrong yeah. it's just most of this stuff and has you know validity it's just is it worth it you know is a par meter worth 500 bucks no is it worth 50 bucks probably yeah you know hmm. uh you know is a out of water change thing you know 300 bucks is it worth it uh you know it really depends you know uh, one of the things they talk about in the video was uh like randy you know used to do some water changes here well, you know what? Randy is way more valuable than this thing is, you know? And so spending, having Randy spend time doing water changes stuff is a total joke and uh, disrespectful, I think, even of your time, huh. you know? Uh, in this case, man, I can do this water change super easy, 300 bucks, and yeah. uh, like we, it's, it's more reliable than Randy. Yeah, that's true. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that, too, 100%. Happens every time on time. Every time on time. Yeah, man. I don't so, even have to be there. Yeah, man. I can even go check his work. Uh, like the Apex work is out there in a the graph. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, well, Ned, this week is uh, all about monitoring your tank. Uh, on Wednesday, you and got BR, my first foray into BRS TV investigates. It is, yeah. It? So yeah. Uh, I did all the testing myself. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting. Yeah, we got really like a whole bunch of actually salt tests coming out. Yeah. I think the one after that one is how long do these things last in storage? Yeah, yeah. You know, so like I'm, I'm queued up to do that. I'll start that one this week. You know, Red Sea it explicitly states right on the bucket, man. Use this stuff within four within hours. Within four hours. You yeah. know, so that's just part of their mix because it's four. elevated. These guys are a little uh, lower, uh, and they explicitly state they're a little lower so that it will stay mm -hmm. uh, the right parameters. We're gonna know, find for out how long you mix it. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. But you're gonna find I'm out. gonna test it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And All then right. Friday is oh, the monitoring controllers one. and monitoring. Yes, yeah, uh, you know, like monitoring. Found their way in there, man. But like, really, it's about monitoring your tank. You know, yeah. so like. What do I do? As part of, I got this tank set up, you know, as part of the hybrid system, yep. you know, like how do I monitor? Yeah. You know, uh, I definitely just will say that we use Apexes here to monitor most things. And you know, at WDC, they use people. You know, there's people there all day, every day, seven days a week, 14 hours a day, you know. Yeah. I don't need the monitor, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it works out well for them. Sure. All right, awesome. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, guys.